men generally don't feel comfortable reaching out and asking for help around vulnerable things. Yep. Or anything. Um, fair. <laughs> Not um, like pointing a finger at you as a human. Like literally, no, I was just talking you know. about this with my friend who was raising two boys and we were like, yeah, there's so much pressure applied to the idea of masculinity that you should not need help and that to ask for help is somehow like not fitting in with the masculine ideal. Yeah. Which I wish was not part of our cultural zeitgeist at all because everyone needs help with all kinds of things. And to be able to just like name that, like to be able to name our needs is something I'm like super passionate about everyone getting better at right now. Welcome back to Wish You All the Best, a personal podcast about modern dating. I'm your host, Scott Simmons. My guest for this episode is Hannah Husband. Hannah um, is a friend who I know from, well, we met a long, long time ago. Uh, We've sort of been keeping in touch sort of peripherally, um, but I was excited to sort of reconnect um, with her them recently um, and just sort of got talking about, um, well, really got talking about sort of the topic of identity and what it's like to kind of change your identity or to have like a, a sense of, I don't know, like w- w- what it's like to sort of look at yourself and say, uh, maybe, you know, who I've been uh, isn't who I want to be. And, you know, the the big, I think the big um, significant issue, uh, especially lately, uh, in, in, in modern, I think, culture, uh, has been a lot around gender identity. Um, and, uh, Hannah talks about, um, their, uh, experience through that a bit in the pod. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I do think there's kind of an identity thing happening for men. Um, and I think it's connected to dating because, um, I think, um, I, I guess I, I want for men to be able to kind of adjust who they think they ought to be. I, I think if we can make progress on changing, you know, who, what, what it is to be, you know, a cishet dude, um, I think things could be better for everybody. Um, anyway, I, I had a really great conversation with Hannah. Um, oh, yeah. The other thing we touched on a little bit is her professional work. Um, and I, I, I don't talk a whole lot about sort of like physical routine or taking care of your body or that kind of stuff um, for the pod. Um, I do think, though, you know, there's something to be said for how that can impact um, your dating life. Um, I, um, you know, I certainly enjoy having a practice around using my body, staying in shape. Um, and just staying active. Um, I know when I, when I'm bad about staying active, uh, I can definitely feel it. It alters my mood. It alters, um, just my outlook and, you know, I don't like it. Um, so Hannah talks a little bit about, um, her professional work. Um, uh, and I, I don't know, you know, in, in general, I would recommend to anyone, um, trying to put in the time and effort or, or building up the habits to have a way to use your body. I think, I don't know. I think my body and my brain are kind of the same thing really, you know, I don't, I kind of don't think that it's just like my mind trapped in a flesh suit. Right. And I think, I think this whole thing is kind of 
part of me. Um, and for me, uh, related to dating, uh, you know, working on myself and figuring out who I am when I bring myself to try and meet somebody new, um, that's significant. Um, anyway, I don't talk about that a whole lot on here, but Hannah and I get the opportunity to dig in on that a little bit. Um, but mostly we just had a really fun conversation. It kind of goes all over the place. Um, and yeah, I, I hope you really enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. And here's my talk with uh, Hannah. Okay, Hannah, welcome to Wish You All the Best. Thank you so, so much for joining me. How you doing? I'm good. Had a very relaxing Sunday, got in a little beach time, and I'm super stoked to talk to you. I, I've been I've been looking forward to this, and also yay, yay for the beach. Um, okay, so uh, I always love to plug anything that I can for my guests when they first, right at the top, just get it all out of the way. Um, <laughs> just, so, just right, just get in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so uh, um, if you if you like what you're hearing on this pod. Um, dear, dear audience, I encourage you to go to hannahhusband.com, H-A-N-N-A-H, husband, like, uh, spouse, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> dot com. No, I always say husband, like husband and wife. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'll, of course, put that in the show notes. Um, and Hannah, did you want to talk, do you want to talk a little bit about like what you do like professionally? Sure. Yeah, totally. So, um, I call myself a body liberation coach these days. What are names? Who knows? We make them up. Um, <laughs> I love it. But uh, I was uh, I was an actor for a long time. Then I was a personal trainer to support that. And then um, now I really work with people. I mean, I still do the movement stuff and have all of that knowledge and background. But I would say my work is more around supporting people to have a different relationship to their bodies and to movement. Um, because I've found that actually like the, the alchemizing of that relationship is what unlocks like a fruitful future with movement and your body. Um, and yeah, so, um, this fall, we're grouping some folks together for a program that I run called Seedling Strength, which is really geared toward like, I say beginners, but the reality is like, it's anyone who wants to like completely restart and reinvent their relationship with strength training in a way that is intuitive and honoring of the body that they're in in this moment and coming from a like co-creative relationship with the body versus a power over relationship with the body. Oh, I love all that. And strength training like 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 weightlifting. Well, it could be. Um, we run this one over Zoom, and I promise people that they can do it like in their living room with pretty minimal equipment. So okay, cool. um, but if folks have weights and stuff and they are ready and want to incorporate them, of course we can incorporate them. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that a lot. I mm-hmm. one of my big things, um, like I, I, I am not a, you call it like a dualist. Like I, I definitely think that like my body is a part of me, you know, like mm. I don't, I never, I never think of myself as like a mind trapped in a body. I feel like mm-hmm. my body is me. I feel like my emotions are in my body. Like my body is feeling cranky or hurt or whatever. Like it, it, it's impacting me, not like, you know what I mean? Like my mind and yeah. my body aren't separate. And that, yeah. that was a big, I didn't always feel that way. And, and I, and as I've grown to sort of see myself that way, that's been a really, I don't know, that's been a game changer for me. 
Yeah. Um, okay. I want to know more about how that came about for you. Um, I mean, probably through acting training, mm. um, you know, early on, I think well, early when I was younger, which is a broad span of time. Um, uh, but I think, um, I think maybe I first learned that when I was trying to figure out like how to embody someone else or how to be something else, mm. but in a way that sort of trained me to like, Oh, like how I feel or how I'm expressing myself or how I'm, um, yeah, like my emotional state is like, it's not just in my head. It's also in my body. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like one of the best parts about acting training and theater training is that often it includes a lot of self-awareness practice of various kinds. Yeah. Cause there's this thing of like, you kind of have to know what's happening in your being if you're yeah. going to like transform and convince people you are a different being than who you are. Yeah. 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 I, I, sometimes I feel like it would have been a lot easier just to go to therapy instead of going to acting <laughs> school, you know, like it would have been <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. Awesome. So we'll talk. I mean, I don't know if we, if we get into that some more, I'm excited about that, but everybody, if you're interested in that kind of thing, um, if you're curious at all about using your body, definitely recommend going to hannahusband.com, checking it out. Plug, plug, plug. Um, yes, I think it would be awesome. Um, yeah, so this is a podcast about modern dating. Um, I try to aim it uh, at conversations that I think mostly men would be interested in. I'm a, mm. I'm a uh, cishet dude, and so that's my perspective. And I think in general, there's a lot of room for healthier, vulnerable, more like empathic conversations around that. Um, I think a lot of the content out there for dudes in regards to dating is not great. Um, and so, yeah. So, um, yeah, we've got a few things that you and I can talk about. Um, mm-hmm. Did you want to? Uh, uh, okay. So there's three things that I think we can do here that'll be fun. Um, or th- three things that we that we started up with. Um, women wanting attention from men, which I think is a very interesting topic. Um discovering uh, uh, yourself or, or deepening your relationship with yourself or, or, or uh, going through a change with your own identity, which is something that you have a lot of awesome experience with. Um, and also you were interested in maybe interviewing me, which I think would be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Do any, do any of those three uh, sound like a fun place to start? I feel like we should either start with the identity piece because we're kind of knocking at the door anyway with the little conversation about acting and self-awareness and sure. or we should start with me interviewing you because I think it could give some context to like I just I'm fascinated and want to hear more about like your experience with modern dating what converse like you mentioned to me that you started this podcast because you were hoping to inspire more cishet dudes to have like vulnerable and deeper level conversations. Yeah. And so I'm just like curious to hear more about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Big sigh. Yeah. Well, I, okay. We, like, let's start there. Let's start there. Okay. Um, okay. So we're curious about that. How, like, how is it going? <laughs> No, more so like 
what are the kind of conversations? So again, I'll just uh, share some identities that I hold that will maybe help people contextualize this as well. Um, I am 39. Uh, I am a genderqueer human who is currently embracing the label of non-binary to describe myself. I am very femme presenting. So like most of the time people just automatically she, her, me, and I'm kind of like, okay, whatever, that's fine. Um, I just don't feel like I have time to get upset about pronouns for myself, although mm-hmm. I really champion them for other people, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and sure. I've been in like a relationship with a cis dude since I was 21. Um, yeah that has been monogamous up to this point, we're exploring like moving into and towards uh, polyamory, mostly because I've been realizing like, I was never really cut out for monogamy. Uh, And yeah. So to that end, like I have zero experience using dating apps, like literally Uh have never made a profile. (laughs) And I find the whole topic like so fascinating and also feel kind of weird because for someone my age, right? Like it's a little weird that I missed that whole sort of category of experience. Sure. And Um, so I'm curious, like what are the kinds of conversations that you mostly find available for cis dudes in regards to like dating and romance? Like what's actually happening versus what do you wish were happening? Sure. Okay. So if you're, when I was, uh, so I've been on the dating apps through like two major chapters of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I was on the dating apps, uh, and, and I only had the two, the two phases because things have changed pretty dramatically during mm-hmm. the interim. But mm-hmm. the first time I was on the dating apps um, was uh, maybe 10 years ago. Um, okay. And that's how I met my um, now ex-wife. Um and then uh, after my uh, divorce, um, which is about four years ago, I got back out there on the dating apps. Um, and they, I think, had had changed. And like dating culture had changed mm. pretty, pretty dramatically. Sure. Um, the conversations that are out there, um, and I think this is, they were probably there 10 years ago, but I think they've, they've definitely grown in prominence or at least in intensity. Um, since then, um, basically a lot of the advice out there for men regarding dating is, I think, just like complete trash. Um, mm. I think it's a lot. I, I think essentially what happens is that men generally don't feel comfortable reaching out and asking for help around vulnerable things. Yep. Or anything. Um, fair. <laughs> not um, like pointing a finger at you as a human like literally no, i was just talking you know. about this with my friend who was raising two boys and we were like yeah there's so much pressure applied to the idea of masculinity that you should not need help and that to ask for help is somehow like not fitting in with the masculine ideal yeah which i wish yeah. was not part of our cultural zeitgeist at all because everyone needs help with all kinds of things and to be able to just yeah. like name that, like to be able to name our needs is something I'm like super passionate about everyone getting better at right now. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent agree. Um, so I think, I think 
what happens. And what I certainly did when I first got out there mm-hmm. was I, I noticed things and I had curiosities about like, okay, how do I use this weird newfangled internet thing to go and try to meet people so that I can hopefully meet somebody who wants to be my forever partner because I'm a monogamous person or, or, or anybody, you know, like whatever my, whatever, how do I use these things to go meet people? Right. Mm. A lot of the, the advice and perspectives on the internet that you can find, which is like kind of where you go when you're not willing to ask for help is you go ask anonymously a thousand people for help or whatever. Um, I think the voices for men that are dominant in that space are really toxic. I think Mm. they're basically selling snake oil. I think they're there to prey on men's insecurities. They're there to kind of feed, um, uh, to feed an impulse to blame others for difficulty right mm. i think i think a lot of the i think a, a big narrative in men's dating discourse is um you're doing everything right uh you're doing what you're supposed to be doing the the men who are who are being aggressive and ruggedly individualistic are correct and everyone else is wrong it's mm. feminism that's wrong it's the dating apps that are evil which i don't mm. want to defend the dating apps i don't think they're great but like it's it's a very like like it it's a it's a it's a a voice that's saying I hear you it's really really hard and it's everyone else's fault and for for this week only my online course has been discounted to six hundred dollars right. and if you pay in the next twenty four hours I will give you this PDF that will tell yeah. you how to in, yeah. in, improve your chances yeah and. I, I have I should say I've never paid for one of those courses. I think I've seen a sampling of what I believe is probably in them. I've never like actually done the homework and like paid that much money to go do that. Mm. Um, um, but yeah, I think it's uh, I think a lot of the anyway. So I think that's what's out there. I think I think it's mostly toxic, mostly patriarchal, um, uh, and very not vulnerable. Right. It's, mm. it's not about talking about what your needs or your feelings. It's not about um, like commiserating or supporting beyond saying, I know it sucks. I know you need help. Click this link to pay me money so you can have my PDF or watch my video. You know, sure. I th- so what I think I want to be out there, what I want men to do, what I'm trying to do with this podcast that I, that I, there's not, you know, <laughs> it's not, well, who knows if it's working. But what I want to do is just like make space for men to have conversations around dating. And like in general, I would love in general for men to be more comfortable being vulnerable, asking for help, Mm. not falling into when we can get into what this means, but not falling into sort of like that patriarchal role, right. Mm. Um, Of quote unquote masculinity. Um, And just like support each other and like get, you know, for example, find intimacy in friendships, find mm, intimacy in, yes. in ways outside of uh, romantic relationships. Because yeah. I think we, I think men, I mean, I've, I've probably said this 10 times in the pod by now, but like, I think men overload physical intimacy in romantic relationships, right? Mm. I think, I think men, I think there's a stereotype that men are horny, right? Mm. Um, and I think that, I, I think that's maybe true. I don't know, everyone's different, but like, I, I think that comes from, my pet theory is that that comes from men not being able to find intimacy in any other way outside of sex. And so we end up like craving that type of affection 
um, because we're not getting it in other places. Hmm. Um, anyway, so I would like men to basically not do that for us to support each other and, and come to, um, a very complex dating culture, uh, because hmm. the internet just like poured gas all over a lot of, I think, cultural trends, um, or fires, I guess, mixing metaphors. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, I think I wish, I, I wish men were coming to dating from a healthier, a healthier place is what I'm hoping yeah. for. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said about cultivating intimacy that is not rooted in like sex and maybe also with friends. Like, yeah, I, this is like a personal soapbox, but I think everyone needs more intimate friendships it's been like the thing that makes my life significantly better is literally yeah. like leaning into friendships. And like part of that was me during the pandemic, realizing that I am an extreme extrovert and like, I am not okay only interacting with one person sometimes when my partner is also an introvert. So it's like my need and his need for interaction do not match. Um, yeah. But I, I think that having more relationships in our lives where we really like let ourselves be seen and like risk that vulnerability and practice like rupture and repair, right? Most of us like don't practice that either A at all or B, maybe it happens in our romantic partnership especially if we're in the situation of like, that is going to be the primary person. And so there's a lot of pressure on that relationship to like be a thing. Mm -hmm. Then maybe there's gets to be some opportunities to practice. And then with friendships, it's mostly like we keep it cool. Right. And we don't Mm -hmm. necessarily like actually get into healthy conflict and, Mm -hmm. and then we don't get the opportunity to practice real repair. Yeah. I sold. I mean, I'm kind of, can you, I, I'm picking up from context, but can you, can you quickly just sort of define rupture and repair? I, I, I yeah. think I know what it is, but I Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. So um, just having conflict with someone, right? Like um, you argue or you even just like mildly disagree or, you know, I say something carelessly that hurts your feelings like any of those moments where we go, Oh, ouch. Or like, mm, that didn't feel good. Right. Like that's yeah. a rupture. That's a, that's a, that's a rupture or a piece of conflict, whether or not both parties clock it. Right. Mm-hmm. is a differentiating mm-hmm. factor, but nonetheless, like those moments can actually serve to strengthen the relationship depending on how we respond to them. Right. I have needed to learn that it's important for me to say like, Hey, that didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of just like pretending it never happened, which is the family culture I come from. Mm -hmm. Um, Both because I needed to learn that I would stand up for myself. Like that's been a huge source of healing is just trusting myself to advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of that is having the other person meet me and be like, Oh, yeah, I really get that that landed in this way. I'm so sorry. Um, There was a really great uh, podcast episode on apologies that I listened to a few years back that kind of um, was uh, 
Brene Brown's podcast. And then the guest was Harriet Lerner. They did like a two part series on like how to apologize and why it matters. And like, it was just like, what did not know (laughs) have been receiving shitty apologies or not apologies my whole life. Cool. 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 (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I, I love that. I, I mean, my, my thing that I'll do that's kind of similar to that is not, sometimes I won't, it won't be like I, I'll do nothing. What I'll do is I'll assume that they know that they hurt me. Right. And and I'll just like assume that that's now common knowledge in the relationship and mm. I won't say anything about it. Right. Um, and I, I definitely, I'm doing better when I catch myself doing that, right? When yeah. I'm in a healthy space or when I'm in a healthy state. Yeah. I will say like, oh, hey, that that hurt. Can we talk about yeah. it? You know? Yeah, because this is the thing. Like, you know, and we're living in the era of cancel culture, which is this whole idea that like you can't ever mess up. And if you do and it gets caught, then you're over, which is also mm. like that's not allowing for the possibility of repair. Do you think that – that's interesting. Do you feel like that extends into relationships? Like either oh, a relationship definitely. that's – yeah. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, the whole, there's so much internet, uh, you know, pop therapy rhetoric around like getting rid of toxic people and like protecting your energy and like setting boundaries, but in a very final kind of way. And there isn't yeah. a lot of discourse. I don't, I haven't run across around like, so to me, it's like, I expect people, can I swear on here? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I expect people to fuck up. Because we're human Uh and sometimes we just aren't aware of each other, right? So even with the best of intentions, even holding the other person in high regard, there's inevitably going to be a moment in any relationship where you slip up and hurt that person's feelings or you act in a way that makes them feel unconsidered or whatever, right? To me, the like, how do I decide if this is a person I want to be in relationship with question is not based on do they ever fuck up it's like how do they handle those fuck ups when they happen yeah because they're gonna happen 100 like, percent, absolutely yeah. like intimacy is full of conflicts it has to be yeah. otherwise people aren't being true to themselves like there's just there's always gonna be a mismatched needs situation or like you know somebody having an off day or whatever yeah i don't know when it happened for me but like one of the reasons that i'm grateful to be 45 and single and looking for connection is that I've learned some things about how I function in a relationship, mm. you know? And I think one of the things I'm not sure where I learned it, but one of the things I learned to value is, um, well, in these terms, being able to repair well, right? Mm. Like f- fighting well, disagreeing yes. well is something yes. that I really value in a relationship. And so to the point where it's like, I'm almost excited when on like date three or four, something something fucks up and you have, you have a, a fight or a disagreement. I almost, yeah. I almost like that because I go like, Oh, awesome. I- I'm going to find yeah. out how well we, we repair. Yeah. Um, and that tells me a lot, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's, it, you get to learn in those instances, like how well does this person hold my experience and their experience? Are they able to hold both things as separate and valid? And are they able to like, actually listen to my perspective, even though it might be, you know, sometimes when we get hurt, we we have to share something that sort of paints the other person in a negative light. 
Um, yeah. And I, it, ideally, if we're on top of our game, we do that in a really graceful way. And we go, when you did this, I felt this way. My feelings, I'm holding them. I'm not putting them on you. But like, can we talk about that? Um, but even so, sometimes it's a little inflammatory and it bumps up against our stuff. And yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I don't know how we got there from talking about <laughs> what I'm trying to do with the pod. Welcome to talking to me. We will go random places you never expected. That is a guarantee. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. What else, what else do you mm. want to know about right. modern dating? Okay. So you answered some of my questions while you were chatting. So you're hoping that it sounds like almost like you're hoping that there can be more of a supportive community for single men, cis dudes who are like in the dating scene. So it's not just, you're not just getting preyed on by like coaches who are trying to sell dating advice, <laughs> but there's actually a place to feel like you can talk about some of the things that come up with each other and with like more like peer to peer support is sort of what I'm hearing. Yeah. I, okay. I would like in whatever small way that I can to move the needle on like just men's culture in general. And yeah. I think, it's a bigger thing than just dating, but For dating sure. is kind of the scope that I have chosen to yeah. bite off, you know? Yeah. And I think it's a good one. I mean, I don't, you know, again, like not in the dating scene. I just hear things peripherally, but like, it mm -hmm. doesn't seem like anyone's having a great time on the apps. No. Like I don't, I across the board. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess that's sort of my other question. Like what, how would you describe your experience now in this season of your life? Kind of like high level overview in terms of like being a single person looking for, Ooh, problem saving local backup of audio. Yeah. Well, if it falls apart, it falls apart. This okay. Is podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it says free up space to continue. Oh. Um, uh, okay. And we're back. Had a minor technical fun time adventure there. But we were talking about um, uh, an overview of dating. Like, yeah. Uh, you were asking about... Okay, yeah. Yeah, so... Given that I know, have no experience of it, I just want to like hear, like imagine I'm an alien, which I kind of am, that has been dropped into this world <laughs> where modern dating through apps exists. Uh, tell me the story of like what that experience is from your perspective in this season of your life. Okay. Um, in a way, it's been exciting and interesting because... I do find it fascinating. Okay. Like I started a podcast about this, not on accident, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do think, I think dating, I think that the, the cultural trends that are impacting dating are also impacting like bigger things um, in, in, in modern, particularly American or Western culture. Um, things like masculinity, like the progress that feminism has made. I think it's all kind of coming together in a way that is like, it, it's interesting because it makes like my interest in feminism in general, like kind of actionable because it's impacting dating, 
where women are, where men are. Um, and my day job is in internet stuff. So the fact that the dating apps, I think, loom very large in dating culture also makes it very, very interesting. So in a sense, it's fun and fascinating because it's just like so much fun to think about and so much fun to like gather information from where I can find it, um, which isn't easy because it's a lot of anecdotal you know, information that you just kind of go out and talk to people about. Um, and the dating apps are very tight-lipped about publishing data. Um, so in that respect, it's very, very interesting. On a personal level, um, it's been intensely lonely. Um. <laughs> um, it's, um, you know, I am an introvert. Um, and I think even before the pandemic, um, well, I, I definitely, I don't want to say I fell into the trap, but I, 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 I followed the model of a man who I think I, I, uh, got a lot of my social interaction um, out of a partner. Mm. Like I, I looked to her for, to be a lot for me. Mm. And she, because of my ex-wife, um, who was wonderful, um, because she was very, very good at being social. Yeah. I could just leave that to her. Yeah. And, you know, have a social life, have human interaction, have really meaningful, fulfilling friends mm-hmm. kind of through her. Mm-hmm. Um and I do have wonderful friends. I don't mean to discount the friends that I have, but, um, you know, I, I think I, I benefited a lot from her doing that, yeah. which I think is kind of a traditional approach for a lot of men. Right. I yeah. think, um, yeah. So through the divorce and when that started not working for me, um, and ever since then, uh, it's been pretty lonely. Um, and early on getting back out into the dating pool, um, dating apps, I, I, I really despise them. I think they're addictive. I think, I think anyone I've met on the internet, I have met despite the apps, not because of them. Mm. I mean, I met them on the apps, but like, yeah. I, I don't think they're there to help me succeed, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and that's really frustrating. Um, uh, yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, because I care about this stuff, because I, I feel like I put in time and effort to understand it. I feel like I have a, a pretty decent view on how the internet is, I think, um, making it harder to have genuine human connections. Being able to see that and put a name on it is helpful in a way, mm. but it doesn't solve the problem. Right. It doesn't. Take, it depersonalizes yeah, it, doesn't, it. It stops you from being like, this is only a me problem or yeah. something I'm doing wrong to like, okay, this yeah. is a phenomenon. This is like, these are bugs in the system. Yeah. But it doesn't actually like solve the bugs. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. it, it makes, it makes clear, I think the work that I can do mm. and it makes clear, I think the work that others can do to overcome it. Mm-hmm. But uh, that work is really hard. I think, yeah. um, I think the internet, I mean, this is understatement of the century, but I think the internet is like fundamentally changing culture. Duh. For sure. hundred <laughs> percent. <You know? laughs> okay. So like, is your sense right now? I remember, um, this is to context this question. When I was chatting with some of my clients way pre pandemic who were on the dating apps and dating, like one of the things they shared that I thought was fascinating was that like, their sense at that time was that there were so many options 
And they were noticing that they were much less likely to keep going with someone if it got slightly annoying or slightly weird or blah, 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 because it was like, eh, just start over. Like sort of etch a sketch, yeah. end of the world, start over seemed very easy, which I just found that really fascinating. So I'm curious, like, does it feel like there are too many choices or yes. has that changed? And do you feel like there's a limit and like, you'd like to be going on more dates, but there aren't as many people that you're matching with or like, what's the sense of like abundance versus scarcity right now? Sure. Um, so I think it's different for men and for women. Yep. Um, and it's different depending on how old you are. Okay. Um, just because we live in a society that values women for being young mm. and it values men for being successful. Mm. Right. And not saying that every woman sees men that way, not seeing that every man sees women that way. But I think like when you're just putting everybody in a giant arena <laughs> and right, the, the, the trends, the yeah. like on balance preferences yeah. really are felt. Um, so abundance, I think for, well, I think for men and for women, it, it it's easy to feel like there is abundance. It's easy to feel like I can just open up the app and do some swiping and find somebody who wants to chat with me, right? Mm. The apps are, they're not, I think the apps, I don't think they're evil. I, I don't think the people who make the apps are like actively trying to destroy society. Mm -hmm. However, I, I do think their incentives are clearly financial. I do think the apps, which is, which is all to say, I think the apps are designed to be addictive. Mm. I think the apps, their metric for success is a match. They feel like the more matches they make, the better they're doing. Mm. Um, which I think is a bad metric hmm. because it's not telling you that you're going to connect with someone. Well, it's not telling you that, you know, you're aligned in certain ways for what you're looking for in life. It's telling you, you swiped right. And they swiped right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's making a little number in the red dot on your phone, one increment higher saying this many people matched with you and this many people liked you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think the apps are designed to make us, I, I, and in this way, I see them like social media. I think they're designed to make us feel better when more people mm, want to talk to us, yeah. not when there the is right the potential person. for it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think even the way that they're set up is also sort of aligned to make us think in terms of like Instagram, like how can I make my profile attract as many people as possible mm. as opposed to how can I make my profile attract the right person yeah. to say nothing of how difficult it is to like reflect yourself in four pictures and some blurbs, right? For real. Yeah. So what is, what is the, what are you working with here? Like, what do you actually get to, what is the window through which you have to present yourself right now? You mean on the apps? Yeah. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, all of this, like, this is just the apps. A lot of people do meet, there are partners on the apps. The apps are like one avenue. I want to put a pin in like, I sure. do think there are other ways to meet a potential partner. And, and I pursue those avenues as much as I can. And, and meeting people in the world, meeting their friends, going out and doing things. I think that's all really, really important. Yeah. Um, but the apps are fascinating. And and it's hard. Like it, it, I, I think it is correct that most people think, I think most people are correct when they think that most single people do meet other single people on the apps. I do think it is the easiest way to do it. And because yeah. it's the easiest way, it's what most people do. So it's hard to, I think, do it other ways, which mm. we can put a pin in that too. Yeah. Um, so what does that look like? You know, 
I go on an app and I've got my faves and I've got the ones that whatever, you know, um, for me, that looks like having relatively recent pictures, having pictures that make me look like me, um, having pictures that make me look, um, I don't know, it's digital marketing, right? Like I'm trying to look good on the internet. Yeah. Um, which I think in general, men are pretty bad at. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm good at it. Um, so, so it's that. Huh. Um, and, then, and then it's trying to put sort of text in there yeah. that what I'm trying to do with that is give someone a feel for who I am yeah. so that they can feel safe um, and so they can see a part of my personality that, that they might like. Right? Yeah. Now, as a man, yeah. um, as a cis dude, I am kind of trying to be like uh, generally attractive. I'm trying to stand out. Uh-huh. I'm trying to, I, I advise men often to like think like a spammer, like make it so your profile sticks out in an inbox loaded with other profiles, right? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and that's true for my profile and that's true for a message that I might send, right? Like. My job on the dating app is to be the thing that she taps on and be the person she wants to type text at. Um, Right. So that's really how I'm kind of trying as best as I can with, again, four pictures and some blurbs to like grab someone's attention. Right. Yeah. Um, When I can use video, I try to use video because it's more compelling. Mm. Um, When I can use an emoji, I use an emoji because it's more compelling. Mm. Like I really think like an email spammer. Like I just want to be the thing that's going to grab your eye. Interesting. I just just want the opportunity. Like I just want to grab her attention for like, you know. Because so Um, this is sounding like most women on the dating apps are being like flooded with potential offers and maybe they don't even like clear their queue. Is that kind of like... I want to I want to put a big gnarly asterisk on most mm, um, okay. because I, I definitely know there are women who, for a variety of reasons, don't get that kind of attention. Got it. But again, we we live in I think my pet theory. I don't have the empirical data to back this up, mm-hmm. but like, ask your lady friends, girlfriends, if you can see their dating app mm-hmm. and see if they if they're showing it who likes you or how many matches they have. Yeah. Generally speaking, I think because we live in a society that values women for being young. Yeah. Um, and also that, you know, we look to men to be the romantic Initiator. initiators. Yep. Yeah. What men do is they just swipe right a lot. Mm. Some men swipe right on literally everyone. Mm. And what men do is they send messages, you mm-hmm. know, a lot. And the apps will always give you the option to pay $2 or whatever it is to send like a super message. And what that does is it puts you higher up in her card stack so that she will see you on her screen sooner. Well, because, I mean, think about it. If if the app, I mean, the apps are here to make money, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, but like they have a problem because if, if so let's say you made a dating profile. Yeah. You would, I feel safe saying, very rapidly have a large number of people who would be interested in chatting with you. You're a very beautiful human being. Yes. And the problem for the app developer is how do I cue those people? How do I put them in an order to optimize? Mm-hmm. Let's say, let's say again, let's say the metric that I'm using is a match. Yeah. I want to make it so Hannah meets a person that they want to talk to and the, and other people in the apps 
meet people they want to talk to, right? Mm-hmm. How do you solve that problem? And it's hard. Well, and like just listening to that, it's like, right. Like the, it's echoing about like many aspects of diet culture to me. Like Ooh. theoretically, if you match someone successfully, they get off the app and they stop paying you. Right. So like the, the, the goal of the user does not necessarily create more profit for the app company people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, similar to like every diet ever, right? Like if you actually are quote unquote successful and you, the thing works, uh, you're not buying that thing again. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Except that like literally on like on file where um, I forget the name of the thing right now, but like, you know how businesses have to file their business plan, like with the city or the state or whatever that they're operating in, in Uh the Weight Watchers, like filed business plan, they say that their business model is based on a repeat customer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. I, like Occam's razor, right? The simplest explanation is probably the right one. I, I, I don't think I don't think anybody at the apps like sought, went out and tried to make a worse app. I think no. Okay, it's one of those ways that like capitalism intersects with humanity negatively. Yeah, I think right I think because right. everything has to be profit driven because we have to earn a certain amount of money to exist as a human in this culture because there is no social safety net to speak of. Things become profit driven that don't benefit by being profit driven. And I don't think that's any human in that organization's fault or ill intent or anything. It's just like, we all got to survive capitalism. So like, how are you going to do it? It's a system. Yeah. I mean, I I would, I would even illustrate that with, I think an example, you know, 10 years ago, OkCupid was a dating app that asked you 500 questions about yourself. Right. <laughs> Everything from, do you like to drink beer do, to, are you monogamous to what do you prefer in bed? All a wide variety of stuff, but, but like things that will tell you something about someone. And you could even tell the app, like, I think this question is very important to me. I think this question is not that important to me. Yada, mm, yada, yada. That's cool. You're right. And I think, I think it kind of worked, right? Because you, you would match with someone and it would tell you how many questions they answered, which tells you how much effort they're putting into this. Yeah. Um, and you can see how they answered. You can see, do you agree? Do you disagree? Is this important to them? Right. Mm-hmm. That model failed um, because it takes, I think it failed because it takes a longer time to set up that profile. Mm. It is easier to just upload four pictures from Facebook or Instagram onto Tinder or Hinge, or Bumble. And a lot of those apps will do it for you automatically. You just say, hey, here's my Instagram. It'll go and grab your Instagram pics, and you can just choose which one you want to do, right? Yeah. Cho- choose which pics you want to use. It's yeah. easier to get on there. And so the thing that you need, for if you're dating app, the thing that you need is people. So the- right. If you're any app, you need to like build your user base. Like That's like step yeah. one. Um, and that's what so, investors are looking for to like fund you. And like, yeah. 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 So yeah. And that's where we are. Right. So yeah, it's right. Which is yet another example of where like the needs of the business are undermining what actually might promote intimacy or like genuine connections. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the aspect of it where I do kind of think they are, I don't want to say evil, but like, I think decisions were made that 
were, you know, it wasn't just like, oh gosh, shucks, we made, we happened to make the the best app because it was easiest. Mm. I do think the apps are designed to be addictive. Mm. I do think they are easy to click on. Um, they do move things around on the screen to make it, you know, to 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 make it the easiest path to go the way that's going to to earn them money, right? Yeah. Um, the notifications they send you. Um, that the things that they that the app like sparkles about and does animations with like all those little there are a bunch of little bitty decisions mm. um, that are I think um, aimed at keeping you on there opening the app again yeah. and want you to just match yeah not not actually get to know somebody they don't want get, to get you off the app they just they just want to make the, the the pathway to matching with someone as sparkly and fun as possible. And if they can charge you two bucks along the way, every time you do it, that's what they want to do. Yeah, of course. So I think we, I think we went a good amount on apps and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> I want to bring it back to something you mentioned earlier and that we've talked about a bit uh, in terms of like the expectation of men to be the initiators or the pursuers. Yeah. Um, Tell me more about, like, first of all, does that feel, when you search within yourself and know yourself, does that feel genuine Uh to you, especially as an introvert, (laughs) to be the one who has to initiate? To me, no. Okay. I I am, and I I might be weird in that way, Mm. um, but I'm a big giant softie. I'm, I'm very, uh, I would say, sensitive to uh, feeling rejected. Mm. Um, it feels very vulnerable to me to like walk up to a woman while she's walking her dog while I'm on my way to the gym and say and saying like, oh, cute dog, right? That's too much for me. <laughs> now, mm. I don't think that's too much. I think there's a kind way to do that. And I definitely talk to people, yeah. right? I'm not, I'm not like fleeing from human interaction in real life. Yeah. But like when I see someone who who I find attractive, like just seeing someone on the street and I like their style. I like whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, I am very, very sensitive to, can I tell whether or not this person would be comfortable with, with an interaction? Like, is this Mm. person looking at me? Am I getting a vibe that says this person would be open to the concept of Mm. talking to another human being right now? Mm -hmm. And Unless I get a pretty darn clear green light, I I assume it's a no go, right? Mm. And I let them live their life and yada yada yada, right? Yeah. Now, when I when it's somebody where it is clearly a potential romantic connection, like on the apps, right? Nobody is on the apps just to make friends. Like some apps, yeah, let you. I feel like that's the best part of it is that it takes away that like horrible moment where you have to wonder if someone is like looking or not looking like at least yeah. you know we're here for the thing yeah or some variety of the thing right yeah, but yeah sure yeah hopefully they've um, been honest about what they're looking for in their profile but apparently that's also a toss-up yeah that's we can talk about that if you want but like mm-hmm. yeah if, if i match with somebody if i match with somebody on the app i am extremely picky when i swipe on the apps i only swipe on people i tell myself you know, if this person matches with me, do I really, really, really want to talk to this person? Yeah. Judging as best as I can from four pictures and whatever little blurbs they put, right? Yeah. Um, uh, 
you can you can like request your data from the apps because of um, like freedom. That's not freedom of information. Act. It's like it's like privacy laws. But you can like email them and say, hey, I would like my data. Yeah. Um, and so I requested that from a few of the apps about a year ago. And Bumble actually gives you an, like a pretty like workable that gives you the data in like a pretty useful way. Mm. Um, so I, I started working with that and I, and I found that I was swiping right on uh, like 5% of users of people that I would see, which I, I think is anecdotally pretty low for men. Okay. Um, and I was getting swiped right on a little higher than that, but my match rate was incredibly low because I was being picky. Anyway, once I'm all that to say, once I match with someone, um, I don't want to say I'm extremely aggressive, but I am, I am very intentional. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, use that space to, my goals are to, um, first and foremost, let her like try to find a way to as much as possible in a freaking app on a phone, make her feel safe. Mm. Right. Let her know that I'm somebody that she can talk to, mm-hmm. that's a, that it's a non-stressful, non-pressuring chat room it's mm. a chat room but like mm. I, th- I think a lot of women get get on the zaps and dudes are like i don't know um not great uh and then you know i want to make her laugh yeah. right I, so my my usual advice in a chat is i want to make her i want to send her a message that makes her smile asks her a question so she responds to me yeah and asks her a question that's going to have a very short answer because another dude's yeah. joke or question or whatever is like one tap away Right. Mm. Which again is like banana. That, that's not what I'm you, anyone who's listened to any of this yeah. podcast knows all I do is ramble, right? So right. like that's how, right. You and me both. So, but, <laughs> yeah. So so in the app, like in terms of like men being the aggressors, I don't like if, if a woman every now and then I bump into a woman on the app mm. who does just want to like derive the conversation. Mm. Who's like, Hey Scott, I really loved what you said about your stupid bidet joke on your mm. app. Um, or whatever on your profile and like it really just wants to get into it and, like wants to talk to me yeah um on on some of my apps i have the my um the podcast linked yeah um because some apps that you do that sometimes a woman will like go and like listen to a podcast and say like oh my gosh i listened to this one episode da, 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 da. yeah i i mean i love that i love that like that that when women are kind of the initiators yeah um it doesn't happen very often at yeah, all. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always turn into a date because oftentimes, I mean, here's the thing. W- women on the apps get a lot of attention, you know? Yeah. And so I don't, I don't want to put this in a, not an unkind way, but like. Yeah, get it out there messy. We'll clean it up. It's fine. <laughs> um, a lot of times the women who are initiating with me mm-hmm. are not necessarily the kind of women that I'm looking to uh, connect with on the apps for, for whatever reason. Right? Yeah. Not my type, age range, looking for kids, like different incompatible things. Um, right. Um, but I don't know all that. We're talking about like men being the aggressors. I, I have learned to do it. I think in my experience, it sounds like you have like a system, like I have a system. Yeah. You've well, what I'm hearing is that you understand the nature of the game that is being played. And I don't mean that in a like 
Like, I think there are a lot of analogies around dating and potential romantic interactions that are like, oh, it's a game. And like, he got game. I don't mean that. I mean, like, you literally have like understood the rules and metrics and sort of like playing field that is this modern internet fueled dating thing. And you have like thoughtfully strategized about how to navigate that in a way that hopefully will actually like connect you with a human in a genuine way, which is like what you, it sounds like you're longing for. Yeah. And, and thank you. And, and, and I, I think that's fair. Um, I think what I would say, what I would say is the, the, biggest step that I think a man can take mm. in terms of understanding what they're doing on the apps and, and like increasing their like chances of success, mm-hmm. but it, I think it is like success, right? Yeah. Um, is to understand how the apps are for women. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think perspective that, taking think, for sure. Yeah. And, and there's, there's no real avenue that there's not a lot of discourse around men saying this is what it's like for me and women saying this is what it's like for me and of course across the different age ranges right yeah okay men do you think this is partly okay keep going well i just what i want to say the last thing i want to say there is that like i think men often assume that the apps that their experience of the apps is very similar to a woman's Mm. and i think women women often assume that their experience in the apps is very very similar to a man's yeah and i think that is untrue yeah Yes. So this brings me to my other desire for humanity, which is that like more men and women are like friends and have like intimate Mm. communication. And one of the like stereotypes that makes my skin crawl and maybe we'll end up being divided on this is this like stereotype that like men and women can't be friends, that there's always going to be some kind of like, I'm like, no, like literally some of my best friends all of my life have been dudes. And yeah you know, my business partner of 10 years, like objectively very attractive man. Have I ever felt attracted to him? No. Were we really good friends for a long time? Yes. Did we run a business together? Absolutely. Like yeah. people would assume that we were a couple quite often. And we would be like, no, we actually have other partners. Like, <laughs> But it's yeah. just like, yeah. I think that we're missing a huge opportunity for transmuting the patriarchy by not having more intimate discourse and genuine friendship between cis men and women. Yeah. Hard agree. No. How, how, how on earth are we going to come down different on that? Um, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it is the patriarchy, right? Like it, it, it is that, that, uh, that model where men should not be like, I, I think, I think, to kind of to go back to sexual intimacy being the only outlet or or, or channel for intimacy right, for men, right? right? Where if you think like if I am being vulnerable to women, if I if I'm on this call talking to my friend who I met twenty, we should talk about how we met. I know we should twenty some odd years ago. Yeah, you know about intimate, uh, 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 vulnerable things. Yeah, um, to, to especially about sex, especially about relationships. Like I have to be hitting on her, mm. them, yeah. right? Like, like there's no way to not, right? But, but that's not true. Um, but, you know, that, that we're told that you can't be, that the only way you can be intimate, or the only way you can be vulnerable, yeah. men are told, I think, has to be with a woman you're having sex with. Well, and I think this plays into the other shitty stereotype that's ruining things for all of us across the board, which you touched on earlier, that like men are horny, right? Like men are constantly driven to make sex happen. 
um, right. which then kind of puts uh, women and people who date men into this category of having to be the gatekeepers of whether or not we have sex with them because the assumption is that we're always going to be like having this onslaught. Essentially, it's like if you're hot enough, you will constantly have an onslaught of people trying to have sex with you and it's your duty to like make sure you don't slut it up too much and like only let through the right people and and then it just sets up this like horrible dichotomy of like i don't think it's actually a dichotomy but that dynamic um yeah no i'm with you i think it's it's so horrible it's so horrible and then you have to be careful to make people feel safe because the assumption is that you're a predator which is like yeah oh my gosh yeah that it's deeply horrible because like the, 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 the women and, and this happens to young women very early, mm. like gross early. Yeah. Right. That they, that, that I think young women, young, attractive women, um, uh, you know, uh, are, are learn that they have this value. I don't want to call it a power because I don't think it's a power, mm. but they learn that they have this thing that they can exchange for something. Right. Yeah. And it, it, and I think it's, I think it takes away from that kind of intimacy as, as a connective, like really beautiful, like transcendent, wonderful thing. I was, I almost want to say like divine. Like I think connecting with another person, especially romantically, can be a really wonderful, beautiful thing. Yeah. And we're totally fucking it up by, well, we, we live in a system. We, we live in a system that has evolved over time yeah. that really fucks up our chances of finding that kind of really awesome connection that I, I, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm projecting, but like, I think a lot of people really enjoy a deep, resonant, wonderful, vulnerable connection with another person, you know? Oh, 100%. I think we all long for it. And we all have both conditioning, like societal conditioning that gets in the way and like lived experience or, and, or if you want to call it like trauma or like attachment wounding that also interrupts our ability to show up in a way that can invite that kind of depth, right? It's like somebody has to go first, right? Somebody has to be like, okay, I'm peeking open the doors on like, actual me and like I'm letting myself be seen or like I'm asking for help right we have to sort of give people an opportunity to step in closer and it is scary it's and and there's I think both like internal stuff and conditioning stuff that can really really get in the way yeah I think so to to bring it back to men as as the initiators yeah I think this is an interesting conversation yeah yeah I think, and this is totally anecdotal, my experience, but I find that like taking that first step with someone after you've met, after you've talked a little bit, after it seems like, hey, there might be something here, there might be that chemistry there. I find that I am the initiator when it comes to emotional vulnerability. Mm. Um, Now, that might just be a Scott thing, because Scott might be a weirdo. Um, But I think... I don't know. I, I, again, maybe it might just be the whole, like everyone feels like they have a thousand options thing. Mm. Um, but I, I feel like I'm often the initiator, even in that regard, which is a little bit surprising, I think, because mm. I think often women have more facility with that kind of vulnerability. For sure. 
And but but you know the, the big thing here is well okay my big thing here is that I think that most of the women I've talked to about this kind of thing and certainly most of the women I've dated which maybe says something about who I'm attracted to but a lot of women need to feel pursued in order to feel that chemistry that 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 thing inside that undefinable thing hmm. that spark the heat in your heart whatever hmm. it is like that they cannot feel that romantic connection if they don't feel pursued in some way like it doesn't necessarily have to be like you paid for dinner or you're the one texting first or you're the one texting more or yeah. what, whatever metric that is right yeah. like something has to be happening to make her feel pursued my pet theory on that and i'm not a i don't know i'm not a big fan of like debating nature versus nurture because like i don't really know even if we could figure out like am i hardwired to pursue is a is she hardwired to be pursued i don't really know like if that's how we are that's how we are i wonder i wonder if it'll be different though for future generations i wonder if the kids will be different you know yeah um especially the more that gender gets exploded as a con a binary concept and the more that people play in the fluid the gender fluid pool um yeah, I'm curious about that too. Okay, can I segue? <laughs> yes, for sure. I That's was just like, before. as you were saying that, I was like, have I been, like, is that true for me? Like, do I need someone to pursue? And I think just in my data point of one, like, I don't think that's true. Most of the people that I've actually had like romantic, intimate relationships with, we were friends first. Ironic, because I know I just said things can happen. But for me, the thing that like helps me feel it or that has helped me historically is having that like almost like safety of foundation of friendship and feeling like there's a... There's like a, I don't know what the word foundation is really the word that keeps coming up, but I hear you. Yeah. That there's some flexibility. There's some like, it's a, we're already on a playground together versus like, we're walking this tightrope of, are you going to continue to find me attractive? Do I continue to find you attractive? Is that going to continue to match up kind of situation? Am I hearing you right? Like, when you're when you're friends with someone first or like the friends first approach if you will yeah um i th i think that can work really well because it's just a lower pressure environment totally right? like it's you can see how someone operates understand who they are get a feel for who they are and that can be i think i mean i think it's a great way to get to know people so okay that pin that i put in like not the apps right yeah meeting people through friends going to like events where you go to thing events for things that you like where you can meet people with similar interests um i think that just like community is the best way to meet a partner mm -hmm. i think the internet is stupid and it will always be stupid and like no amount of um ai is going to make it be make tinder better or hinge better or whatever you know yeah. i think like that environment where you meet someone through a friend of a friend you meet them in a context that feels safe you have some background on like their values you have there are safety nets around like behavior right? yeah like somebody you know through a friend isn't going to be 
totally garbage to you because you have a friend in common. You can yeah. say like, you will never believe what Scott did. And that, and that will like have social repercussions. Right? Yeah. Um, not that, not that I think there are awful actors out there doing that, but I think just that like safety net yeah. um, does a lot to make it a safe space. And that's where a romantic vulnerable thing can begin to blossom, right. Can begin to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, as much as possible, I am trying to kind of meet people the old fashioned way. Yeah. Um, it's just hard. It's yeah. really hard to do that. I feel that even for making new friends, like absolutely coming out yeah. of the pandemic. I mean, not that it's over, it's COVID's still here, but you know, coming out of the yep, intense yep, yep. lockdown period of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, I was like, Oh, I really miss being with people in person. And like, a number of our friends had babies during the pandemic. And so the friendship possibilities landscape with them has drastically shifted. Obviously I'm still trying to maintain those relationships because I care about those people. But like reality is when you have a two-year-old uh, adult conversation is not really possible. And so. It, yeah. You're booked. Yeah. And like that wasn't meeting my need for like really dropping in with people and having like mm. intimate and meandering conversations. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so then I was like, how do I make new friends like at 40? <laughs> like <laughs> it's a weird thing. Um, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. You wanted to segue mm-hmm. and then I re rerouted us. So let's do it. Well, okay. So I, I would love to. So we we're talking about like how, how, the kids are going to be better because gender is, 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 I want to say loosening up, right? We're yeah. having more and more people like not conforming to. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about defaults versus like being mm. able to learn from people and communities who have already had to abandon the defaults. I would love that. Okay. So l- let me just take a, take a, so we talked about this a little bit. Yeah. I want, I, I would love to give you some time to talk about sort of your, identity mm, journey sure um because i love hearing you talk about that i've heard listen you talk about it a little bit on another podcast i want to give you space for that sure um but i want to we talked about this a little bit before when we were preparing i, I have this weird idea that i think cishet dudes sort of need to go through a process of re-identifying and i'm not mm. saying there's a bunch of kinsey zeros out there that need to find out that they're two three fours or fives right I think there are a lot of genuinely, you know, heterosexual people out there, you know, but who kind of need to go through a process of seeing themselves and how they operate romantically in a different way. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that process, and I definitely don't want to assume, and I'm sure it's very, very different, you know, actually finding out that you are not the quote unquote default or not what you thought you were, not what you think society expects of you. Right. Yeah. But like, I think a lot of what society expects of heterosexuality is so harmful. Yeah. Insofar. I mean, as and and like, like being not that, and I'm, I'm really walking on eggshells here. I don't want to say that like being not that is like coming out as queer. Mm. Um, But I think, let me put it this way. I have found conversation with many of my queer friends to be so useful yeah. because you have gone through a journey of being like, I need to like having a day where it's like, Oh, 
you know what? I am not what I thought I was yeah. yesterday yeah. or 10 days ago yeah. or 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so it's interesting because for me, it's been in a way, in a lot of ways, a reclamation. Like I remember as a teenager being like, I don't think I'm ever going to get married. Like that whole notion seems whack. Like most married couples I know are either kind of miserable or have gotten divorced. Uh, my own parents got divorced when I was four. And so I, I remember being skeptical of like long-term partnership. And I remember having the thought that like, uh, you know, I d- discovered my love of Shakespeare at 12. Uh, and I remember shortly thereafter having this thought of like, oh, like I don't want to rearrange my life for a relationship. I need to be like actively pursuing my artistry and my passion. And like, if a relationship happens to run parallel with that course that I'm on for a certain amount of time, great. But like, that's the most important thing, which I think is a kind of rare notion in terms of like, uh, you know, heteronormative young woman dreams. I never dreamt of having Mm -hmm. a wedding. I never dreamt about having kids. Um, in many ways I've sort of been like a, a spinster crone since I was like 12 <laughs> in terms uh-huh. of my like sense of myself and my values. Um, I don't love that term, but I know where you're, I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the crone archetype. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Okay. I was also like, bless my mother. She really was part of that kind of like early eighties wave of feminism that was very like, you don't need to perform for the male gaze. Women can be anything they want. Uh, and I was very like, I look back now and I'm like, oh, I was very gender queer. I just didn't know what those words were. Because in my mom's version of feminism, it was like really elevated the womb and the menstrual cycle and like being a woman was like this sacred thing. And so she spoke to me as like, you're a girl and you're a woman and you're going to have these experiences. And because you're a woman, you have access to your intuit. And there was just this very, like, as I later came to label it, like very gender essentialist thinking of like, women are this men are that. Mm-hmm. And there weren't really any like non-binary role models for me growing up. There were like, you know, I grew up in the Bay area. So there were like gay men and lesbian women and there were like butch lesbian women, but I didn't like, I don't know. It took me a while to figure out who I was attracted to. I definitely came into that later than most of my peers, but like pretty quickly was like, cis dudes. Yep. Having feelings for them. Um, So I was like, okay, I must not be a lesbian, even though I like kind of vibe with a lot of the like more like masculine of center expressions of womanhood that I was seeing at the time. Got it. Yeah. Um, And then I also got like teased and labeled a lesbian a lot in my life, in my early life. Uh, And so I think I like, I think that was like part of the like, okay, let me veer left and like perform heterosexuality even harder. Um, Uh, That sucks. I'm sorry. (sighs) Kids are mean, you know, I don't think anyone was really like trying to, to do a thing. I think they just reach for whatever's close at hand. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a whole tangent. Where do I really want to go here? <laughs> Anywhere you want. So, yeah, I don't know. As I... There was probably a period in my, like, 30s, late mid to late 30s, where I was living in back in Oakland. I'd been living in on the East Coast. And most of my friends here are queer and or poly. Um, I was one of the few, like, straight couples. We'll put that in air quotes for now. Uh, but <laughs> how I thought of myself then, right? Um, but even within that, like, I, you know, Forrest and I aren't married. We have no designs on kids. And in my early thirties, everyone was like, but you guys are so good together. Like, aren't you going to, don't you want to get married? I was like, oh, well, don't you want to have kids? No. And wow, that's a personal question person that I barely know. That's a client at the gym. You know what I mean? Like, it's just amazing how people feel like it's casual conversation to ask you about things like that. But yeah. yeah. Um, n- like now I can look back and see the way that I felt at home with my queer friends and be like, oh, because me too. <laughs> but then I was just like, huh, so interesting that I like feel more comfortable around queer people than like, quote unquote, straight people. And I always chalked that up to the fact that I didn't aspire to a lot of the heteronormative benchmarks in relationship that you're supposed to want. Uh Um, And I always found it so like affirming and inspiring to talk to my, like particularly like my queer poly friends who are in the sort of like kink scene in the Bay area. Cause there's this very strong culture in that group of like, be clear about what you're into, find out what your partner's into, see where you match up, assume that you won't match up on all of the data points and then like yeah. decide how each of you are going to get your needs met that don't line up with each other. Yeah, it's an amazing framework for So good. Yeah. And like, that's a thing that I think like, you know, queer folks and poly folks and relationship anarchists have been able to glom onto first, because once you leave heteronormativity behind, it's sort of like, okay, well, how do we design relationships? But like, I wish everyone came to relationship from that place of like, Hey, you person sitting in front of me, me, how do we want to design this relationship? And so I, I really am resonating with what you're saying of like straight cis dudes need to come out because it's like the claiming of self, the internal excavation of like, if I, if I say, no, I am not the default things that I've been told that I am, and I actually allow myself the space to connect with my own authentic desire, to connect with what lights me up, what kinds of connections or interactions really feel genuine to me, what ways of expressing myself feel good, um, both like verbally and physically, like how do I like to present myself? Um I think we all, which is a skill. We all like deserve learn how to do that. Yeah, to ask those questions and answer them in a unique way. 
And I think that one of the ways that patriarchy harms everyone is that it goes, oh, you're a man, you do this. Oh, you're a woman, you do this. And there's these defaults. And and like the closer you are to those idealized defaults, the, the kind of harder it is to break away from them. Because you're like, if I just push it a little bit further, then I will be the idealized man or I will be the idealized woman. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think for people that really don't fit or really chafe, you kind of have to f- define yourself anyway, because you're like, well, uh, failed out of that default. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I okay. Um, Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for sharing and for being so vulnerable. Um, thank you so much. So, okay. I, I want to sort of like contrast your experience with not that there's like a generic experience of being queer or mm. any, but like in your story, it sounds to me like because you sort of could pass as mm. yep. straight. Yep. Right. Because part of your, what you, what you're experiencing now is your identity because a part of that sort of is a piece of straightness, whatever. Yeah. Um, that, that sort of pulled you in that direction, right? Like because you had that template there, that's what you went to. Right. I think for, no. Well, I was just going to say like at many points in my 18 year partnership, I've been like, huh, never planned for this. Interesting. <laughs> right. Like, Um, it surprises, it has surprised me at many points, but I think that like one of the things that keeps Forrest and I together is that we both have like a shared commitment to growth and to like recommitting and being like, one of the things we say to each other is I choose you. And sometimes when we've had like a bad fight and we're like making up, we'll be like, Hey, I choose you. Like, yep, that sucked. And I'm in this. I want to be with you. I want to continue to grow together. I love that. And so so it's funny, right? Because I think from the outside, we do tick a lot of the like assumed boxes of heteronormative success, right? We own a house together. Um, We're the right height differential. Um, (laughs) We wear a similar color palette. Like we look good when we go out in the world together and like, Right. I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's just, it's, well, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, so here's, here's kind of what I'm getting at. Corral me, Scott. I'm going right? everywhere. No, it's like, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. What, what I want to investigate and what I want to sort of ask your take on yeah. is like, what is it like to find an identity that was not necessarily like templated for you? It was mm. not like something that was in culture. Right. Like there are, there are more and more and more and like we're shaking up gender and stuff. Right. But like when I was young, I, I didn't know what a non-binary person was until yeah. I, I don't know, probably my thirties. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm curious about that because I'm wondering if like the experience of having a template, having other people who are out yeah. there who are like, Hey, I think I'm like this, you know, mm-hmm. is, is makes it a different journey going in that direction than it feels like to go like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what template I meant to follow, but I know I'm not that. Yeah. Because I think for me, because let's make this about me. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I feel like there is a template of masculinity. Yeah. 
that is there. Yeah. And gosh, we didn't even get into like the divine masculine, the divine feminine. Oh my gosh. Next episode. Yeah. Right. But I, I know that's not for me. Yeah. I look at that. And, and if you really want me to, I can go into details about why, but like, it doesn't take me long to be like, eh, I'm out. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. Right. But I, I'm, I'm a curious human being. I, I experimented throughout my life and I, I am very clear that I'm a Kinsey zero. Mm. Okay. Like I'm, I'm straight, but not narrow, but I know, I kind of know what does it for me. Right. Yeah. But, but there aren't a lot of templates out there. And I'm not saying I'm not my gender or that identity, but like yeah. there aren't that many templates out there for what I do want to be. Yeah. I know what I don't want to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was curious to hear any, any wisdom you might have. What, what is that experience like? How do you, because I mean, and, and let's be real. It took so much more courage and heart and amazingness for, I think you to go through your journey yeah. than it has taken me to go through mine. Yeah. I, I want to acknowledge that and all that kind of stuff, but like, I think that journey of self-discovery without a template. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I will say in my experience, like I got to meet some non-binary or gender non-conforming folks um, through like the gym that I was working at in Oakland. I remember there was a person who joined and like they sent an email being like, Hey, you're a CrossFit gym. I'm a non-binary person. My pronouns are they, them. Uh, at my last gym, here are some ways that we adjusted the language within the CrossFit uh, system so that it would feel more welcoming to me. Would you be willing to make these changes? Because like in CrossFit, I don't know how familiar you are with that or everyone listening is, but basically like there, there's like a workout of the day and then there's usually a men's rx and a women's rx meaning like the version of the workout that men are expected to do the version of the workout that women are expected to do and they're scaled differently um to make up for the athletic perceived biological differences in men and women and um I just remember like the gym owner sharing that email with me and being like, oh my God, like how fucking cool that this person is able to like advocate for themselves. And then it sparked a lot of conversation amongst the coaches about like, yeah, it is kind of weird that we split it this way. Like really there should just be like a heavier RX and a lighter RX. And then people should self-select based on like what's going to be the right amount of challenge for them. Like why are we... um So I just remember having like so much admiration for this human. And then like we ended up kind of becoming like chatty gym friends um, and almost like a tiny pang of what I now realized was jealousy. Like there was a tiny bit of me that was like, like there was like a little bit of like longing. And I don't think I even clocked it at that time. I just clocked it as like, oh, I think this person is cool and I'm drawn to them and I want to like be their friend. But now looking back, I'm like, no, there was a part of me that was like, I want to know myself the way that you know yourself and be able to like boldly express who I am and literally reshape the environment to be more friendly to me. Like how it was just like yeah. incredible. Um, but yeah, I think without, without role models, without seeing what's possible. So I've realized for me in general, like 
seeing someone in real time, someone that I get to interact with in the real world or that I know personally expand in any particular way really cements like somatically in my being that expansion as possible for me too. You feel it. Yeah. You, you, you see them do it and you're like, okay, that, that feels possible. Yeah. Hmm. You're like, Oh, got it. Cool. Like, um, you know, my, one of my good friends, was in a similar partnership dynamic and like was sharing with me about starting to open up and they were both starting to date other people. And I was like, Oh, that's a thing that's possible. And there they are doing it and like having difficult and also wonderful conversations and like finding their way forward. Um, Or like, you know, some of my friends who were running their own businesses before I really stepped into like being in business for myself, like seeing people that you, you could theoretically reach out and touch, like doing a thing that you've told yourself, like, you know, cause especially with the, like the business thing is a great example. I had a story that I didn't even realize was in there. It was like a script running in the background that people who started their own businesses were like a particular kind of person. And that I was not that kind of person. And so for a lot of my life, I was like, okay, cool. I just have to keep getting a job. And two things happened. Like one, I got close to the business owner of the last gym that I worked at and was like, oh, you're a mess. You're just extremely charismatic and you were in the right place at the right time. Cool, cool. Also, he was younger than me, which like for some reason like exploded that like kind of magical, uh, you have a leg up. That barrier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. I hear that. And then also seeing like one of my fellow personal trainers from two gyms prior that I had worked at, like launching her own business and letting it evolve, like starting to get into doing different stuff and like finding her way. I was like, oh, you can do this thing called having a business very differently. And the people who are doing it aren't like special sauce. They just did it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very human thing, right? You bounce around, you meet people and you bump into somebody you go like, oh, you've got something going on that like, I think might ring true for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't know, I, again, which is all beautiful. And again, thank you for sharing. Yeah. But again, to make it about me, yeah. to make it about yeah. all the okay. cishet dudes. Yeah. So I think in the, when there aren't clear role models, because I remember for a while in my life being like, I need a role model for like how to be a person. Um, Look for places where you feel jealous or judgmental. The very first non-binary person I met who was femme presenting, but introduced themselves with they, them pronouns. I was like, why? Like I had so much judgment for that person. Interesting. We often judge things that we have decided are not accessible for ourselves. And so we go, why do you deserve to have it? Ooh. Right? Okay. Yeah. Like those desires that we've shoved so far down, we don't even acknowledge and know that they're a desire, often will sneak out. They'll find a fissure in the foundation and come out as judgment. So um, keeping a journal or a note or on your phone or whatever, but just starting to track where am I feeling judgmental of people? Where am I feeling judgmental, particularly like ways of being? 
and or where am I feeling jealous or envious? That can sometimes be like a way in to figuring out some unmet or unacknowledged desires within ourselves, which like often our des- like our desires tell us who we are at their in their purest form, not our like shallow like I want ice cream like but like yeah 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 there is the self longs to be expressed and so we will find little mirrors in people even if it's like a facet of that person and they aren't themselves the role model that you need we can find little glimmers of reflections of our true selves in facets of other people and I think non- as, as non-judgmentally as you can, noticing where you're having judgment and jealousy can be a way into that. And I, I love that. And and because sometimes if you catch yourself, if you notice yourself judging something in someone, you're, the, a part of that can be, why do you deserve to have that when I can't have it? And so yeah. in a way, you're identifying that you're identifying a way of being that's something that you want. Yeah. That you've subconsciously oh, wow. decided is off the table for you. Yeah. My, my brain is like bouncing around trying to figure out how I do that. But I'll, I'll on it's that. one to be with for a while, for sure. Yeah. Um, I love that. But it's a helpful practice. Um, well, okay. We've done this for like an hour and a half now. I know. So that, I just realized what time <laughs> it was. For, Thank you for giving me so much of your time. I guess that's, unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on, I think we'll have to wrap it up there. No, I think it's a good time to close out. Yeah. Hannah, thank you so much for making time. I love having these conversations with you. Mm -hmm. Anytime you bump into something else that you're like, you know what I think straight dudes need to hear about? (laughs) Um, You got a, you got a platform here. Great. uh, And I'd love to chat with you again. Anytime. There are more thoughts. Um, Well, let's do an episode two. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, anytime, okay. anytime you want okay. to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everybody go to hannahusband.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, this is an amazing human to learn about how to use your body from. Um, I think. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Cool stuff. Um, all right. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me on. Wish you all the best. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you've gotten this far, I really, really appreciate it. Um, that was my talk with Hannah Husband. Um, her website, again, is just hannahusband.com, H-A-N-N-A-H, husband-like, husband and wife.com. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I like what she's doing with her business stuff. I like her perspective on um, uh, identity and thinking about modern relationships. Um, I think they're really smart about that stuff, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, talking to her about it. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. This is a little passion project podcast. And if you're out there listening, um, yeah, I appreciate it. I really do. Um, if you want to reach out, the best way to reach uh, reach me right now is on Instagram uh, at wish you all the best pod. Um, I put up little snippets there when there's a new pod out. Um, uh, yeah. And I would love to hear about um how you found it or what you think about it or why you listen. Um, uh, yeah, that would be, that would be great. And I appreciate if you are listening, I really do appreciate it. So thank you for coming along. Um, so yeah, that's what I got this time around. This is kind of a long one. Thank you for listening to the whole thing. Um, and I will hopefully have more for you, um, soon. Okay. That's it. Um, thank you so much. And yeah, catch you next time.